sometimes you just never know where your Richmond interview will lead you. So I was researching 1951 season and came across some newspaper cuttings of a player called Don Durnan, D-U-R-N-A-N, up in Narandera. And I thought, whatever happened to Don? Because it looks like he just played one game for the reserves, and that's it. So I reached out to the Narandera Football Club, or Football Netball Club, I think it is, and uh, got onto the secretary who said Don is still alive and up uh, in uh, New South Wales and gave me a phone number, and I didn't call Don. I was too embarrassed to simply call out of the blue asking for an interview, so I wrote a letter. And a week later, Don Dernan replied. Um, he was a bit surprised with the letter, but he was more than happy and accommodating to have an interview. And it is just an incredible interview. It really is. So let's have a chat with 89-year-old Don Dernan, who back in 1951 was a 19-year-old when he came down to Richmond to try out at Tigerland. Hello. Hello, Don. Yes, Red, is it? It is, how are you? Good, thanks, Red. Don, it was probably a bit of a surprise, was it? You went to the mailbox today and opened up the mail and there was a letter from me. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, to be truthful. Yes, it was a surprise, but anyway. And it was a surprise because your time at Richmond was quite short. We're talking 1951. How many games did you play for Richmond? One in the seconds. And that was it? Yes. Yeah, I came back home. Do you talk about, have you spoken about your time at Richmond before to other people? No. Oh, yeah. Mates, yeah. Like family, yeah. Yeah. But no, not really. But no one's written a, um, a letter out of the blue to ask you for an interview, have they? About it? <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm so excited that you've agreed to be interviewed because I was researching 1951 and I came across your name and I thought, whatever happened to Don Dernan? Don, back in 1951 or so, where were you living? Out on a farm out of Narandra, uh, 20 mile out, 21 mile out. And uh, she was all uh, paperwork in those days. We had no phone on, which people down to Richmond found hard to believe. <laughs> and... Uh, but that was the case, and uh, uh, yeah, the letter came in from uh, Murray Fleming, who I got to know quite well. He was a wonderful person, and uh, and a really good Richmond man. And you know, I thought he could have been anything, Murray, but he was secretary of Richmond, and that's what he did. He was a wonderful, wonderful man, and a, a prolific letter writer. How did how did you come into contact with Richmond? What made them contact you? Um, oh, well, I suppose uh, I don't really know. I got um, offers from other clubs the same year, and I know that one from Fitzroy was we used to get Melbourne umpires up, and uh, I had a 10-goal final after one, one that he did. And I received a letter from Fitzroy from him, and so I know that I can't even remember that umpire's name, to be quite truthful. And uh, he wasn't a, a gun, like he, and by AFL, VFL standards, but he was a uh, good umpire to come up to the bush. He knew mm. he was a good umpire. And, 
Oh, one other bloke, Melbourne, I think. He uh, he came up, uh, one of their players, I was told, but he never came near me. So I don't know if he came up or not. But anyway, I got a letter from the following week, Melbourne and South Melbourne came into it too, but they came good with So it was all through letters, but I never kept any of them. I'm not a... So South Melbourne, Melbourne, Fitzroy and Richmond were all after you? Yes. Why did you choose Richmond? Because they approached me first and I was one of those really loyal country blokes and uh, I said, no, Richmond in front of me first, mate, and that's where I'm going if I go. Yeah. I went, they flew me down like, uh, you know, plane. it was my first plane trip. And uh, no, the year before, for one, for a trial game, mm-hmm. and I flew down one day and stayed overnight or a couple of nights, I forget now, and uh, flew back home on the on a small plane that used to leave the Naranda Airport, and uh, so they really wanted uh, you, didn't they? Well, well, it was yeah, they did. All I had a pretty good game when I went down. Hadn't really done a training lap since the year before. Had a bit of a strange experience. My older brother wasn't too, wasn't as keen on football as I was. He was a good footballer. But um, anyway, we were working pretty long hours on the tractor and uh, I was staying with him and his wife and uh, he came out to the room one night about eight, eight o'clock and... And I'm getting into my shorts and footy boots for a run. He said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going down for a run at Richmond at the weekend. I haven't had a run since last footy season, so I better get into it. <laughs> so I ran across a fella paddock, came back again, and that was it. But we used to kick to kick, of course. There was three of us. And we used to kick to kick after lunch or something like that, you know, for 15 or 20 minutes. So in Narandera, um, when you played for them, before you yes. came to Richmond, what position were you playing? I uh, started full forward. We had a gun centre-half forward, absolutely ripper. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a while, we changed spots, and I went centre-half forward and he went full forward. And then... Later on, we got an influx of AFL Ruckman oh. into the league. Um, oh, Mick Grambo was probably the leader, and then we got Ian Gallet from South Melbourne, Don Cater from South Melbourne, Brian Gilmore from Footscray. Mm. Peter Box was already in the league, centre man, but I wasn't about to be played on him in the centre. I wasn't a centre man. And... Uh, so I moved into the ruck for the last few years of my career, which I re- really loved that. Like anyone that's played full forward all the time, you know, when the team gets weak, which they go through good spins and bad spins and playing full forward or in a bad team's <laughs> pretty ordinary. Every time I got put into the back line, if someone was winning the game, I had a good game, and I thought, Jesus, I'll be centre-half back next week, but it was straight back into the forward line. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, what league did they play in? Southwest League. It was a pretty good league, tough league, pretty hard, and, uh, you know, it's pretty ordinary standard now, but um, 
Oh, she was country style. It was pretty good. We won the Victorian Country Football Championships a few years after I I busted a knee in the long run when I was 29 years old and I couldn't fix them. Then I went down to the best um, yeah, orthopedic in, in Macquarie Street, Sydney, and he had me on my back. Like he operated, it was busted. He had to take the kneecap out and fix the ACL the best he could. Whatever he did with it, I wouldn't know. And um, But I could never play again. She just bunged up every time I tried to start running or anything. I could play tennis still, but not footy. In 1950, you kicked 13 goals in a game for Naranda. Was that the most you kicked in a game? Uh, 10 was the most I ever kicked. Right. Sorry, 10. Yeah. Yeah, I did 10 a couple of times and three eights from centre-half forward when I went out to centre-half forward, but that was... You know, that was the most I ever did. But when, when were you born? Uh, 1930, 2nd of October, 1930. And so you lived in Narandera for the majority of your growing up? Yes, out on the farm, yes. Can you describe the farm to me back then? What was it like? Uh, How big? Oh, it was completely different to these days, like equipment-wise and that, you know. Like in my day, we'd be flat out um, following up, say, 25 acres a day. Um, whereas these days, they do 250 acres a day, you know, with their equipment and so forth. It's 40 foot wide, and we were operating with about eight, six to, six to seven foot wide, you know, and so forth. So it was different, and my dad handled a lot of sheep. He was a big... Sheep dealer, yep. and uh, unfortunately, most of our country was five mile away from the house and sheep yards and shear and shed at home, and uh, they never built a set of never built a set of sheep yards over on the five thousand acres. He had one on the two thousand acres at home, and uh, anyway. The first thing the eldest brother did when he left school was put a plonk of yards, plonk a set of sheep yards fair in the middle of the 5,000 acres, which made it much less driving. We all learnt to ride horses when we were four, and by the time we were six and seven, we were going over from four to six or seven mile away for sheep and bringing them home and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, gosh. So it's all different to the day, mate. Are you still on the same farm, Don? No, 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 I've retired now, I'm 90 next birthday, right. and I live in Wagga, yeah. and uh, I've got a couple of sons, one's in, three sons, so Johnny played for St Kilda, he's down in Sydney, uh, Neil made, Neil was classed, as, he's the oldest son, yeah. he was classed as the star recruit <laughs> the year Terry Danaher broke into uh, South Melbourne. Right. And uh, last trial game, he did a ACL. Oh. So he came and had, had the operation and came home and mm. never went back. But mm. and Russell played for um, Geelong seconds and uh, they, you know he was on their list, but he never cracked it. But they all played for the state in New South Wales and. 
So they were all good country footballers. And, well, John was more than a country footballer, but, yeah, he only had 22 games. He couldn't keep fit. <laughs> you know, he was always had real speed, like Kevin Bartlett, <laughs> but <laughs> he couldn't stay fit. He was, you know, getting injured all the time and so forth. Mm. Well, let's talk about your career with Richmond. You came down yeah. in, it looks to be... April of 1951, where you've tried out in a few practice games. Do you remember the practice matches? Yes, I do, yeah. I remember, you know, changed with Roy Rod a couple of times in the the year before when I went down, they were looking for a full forward. That's right, yeah. But when I came back the next year, they'd found one in Jackie O'Rook. He could kick. (laughs) Yeah, good, and a good flyer too. Yeah. And um, so Jack Jack just walked up to me and... (laughs) <laughs> he said, we're not thinking of full forward, son, you're a ruckman. I said, right. Yeah, Jack, yeah. so he used to, used to line us up on Tuesday on training twice a week. You know, we'd do a bit of training. It was pretty easy, the training. Didn't train like they do today. Mm. And um, he used to get Roy Wright. Bill Morris, Max Curry, and myself over on the boundary and throw the ball in. And uh, I tell you what, about 95% of them, Bill Morris got. Mm. He was amazing for a six foot one bloke. And uh, anyway, that's where I got a little bit of rack education. It wasn't who could jump the highest, it was who could protect the spot the best. He was an incredible player, wasn't he, Bill Morris? He was. He was so. Roy Wright turned out all right too with a couple of brown lows, but in those days he was just a big, I think he would have been about 19, I don't know, I'd say he's about my age, I'm not sure. And I reckon that you, correct me if I'm wrong, I reckon you were working at the time down at Richmond, you had something to do with Harry Dyke, is that right? Yeah, I worked at his fire and explosive proof safe factory, he <laughs> and his brother. Hold on, what, what, what was it? Fire and explosive proof safes. Wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, was the, I was the gopher. <laughs> go for this and go for that. He uh, it, uh, was, you know, I used to work, so the work didn't worry me. I left school at 14, and the work didn't worry me. Like, But um, uh, he had this heap of bolts and nuts that used to have to be have a thread put on them. It was all done by hand in those days. Over in Bridge Road it was, just a couple of blocks down and after I'd been there for a while and the players got to know me, I'd walk out to catch my uh, tram up to Punt Road and then jump off and walk down to the ground and um, Bill Morrison Des Rowe used to come past in Des's little, oh, I think it was a, I'm not sure, cars. I've never taken notice of cars, <laughs> but it was a little car, a good little car. And for those times, and he come in from out Boxer Way, I think. He used to, stop, if I was standing at the tram stop, they'd stop and flick me in. And yeah. I didn't think anything of it at the time. And I found out it was a captain and vice captain and Victorian captain and current Brownlow <laughs> medalist. <laughs> a, bit, a bit different to walking into Naranda where they all come on push bikes and so forth. And it was completely yeah, but, very different for you. 
Mm. Um, so Harry Dyke manufactured safes, didn't he? Yeah, safes, yes. And they were were they big safes? Is that what they were? Big Oh, they were all sizes. They okay. were some size some were three foot high and a couple were you know, an odd one was four or five foot high and I only got on one delivery with them and I was that embarrassed and I was glad I never got asked to go again. We went into Flinders Lane and uh, down the back down the lane and there was this little lift on the ground floor there that you worked yourself and had a rope on it. I think, I don't know whether I think we pulled ourselves up on it. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, this bloke and I that knew the ropes, he used to deliver the saves and uh, got in this little lift and pulled this rope and I'm sure it didn't just start it. I think we pulled all the way up. I'm not sure now. Anyway, we got up to the first floor that we didn't have far to go <laughs> and uh, he just walked in with he said, you grab that end, I'll grab this end. He was leading the way and there were would have been 20 ladies in that room on sewing machines mm-hmm. back to back about six, eight foot apart. Mm. And all the material was out on the carpet between the two two of their chairs that they were putting through these machines, and he just walked over the lot of them, uh. straight up the middle. And I'm on the back end of it. I was trying to find carpet to put my feet on, but it was nearly impossible. Anyway, in two hoots, he just <laughs> he just marched in and delivered the safe and set her up and away we went and I thought, Jesus, I hope I don't get this job anymore and I didn't either. Did you did you get paid for working at the safes? Yeah, I got Harry yeah, I was on the wage. I can't tell you what I earned, but yeah. would have only been about three quid a day in those days. Well you must have played pretty well in the practice games because at one point the um the Argus newspaper in the Sun, Don, actually published photographs of you. Um, kicking the ball at training. And, oh, yes. Yeah, and I remember that. Yeah. The, and the Naranda... Yes, sorry, go ahead. In the age, was it, I think? Or? Yeah, the Argus and the age, etc. The um, the Naranda, Argus and Riverina advertiser was so excited about this that they wrote an article about it to say that you had been published in the Argus and the Sun Um it must have been a big thrill for people back in the country to see you going so well. Yeah, well, the thing was up in our hometown at the time, we didn't get Melbourne papers oh. into Narendra, so very few of them would have seen it, I don't yeah. think. But that, we were starting to get them in at that time because my now wife got a photo of it once when she was trying to get some paper to pack some clothes away. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling up the shoes to take to the boot maker. Rolling up the shoes, she says, to what? take to the boot maker, and she's rolling me up in them. <laughs> what, what's your wife's name, Don? Shirley. And Shirley how, Jane. How long have you been married to Shirley for? 67 years. That's why I came home, actually, but they didn't know that. Well, congratulations to you both, by the way. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. You played one game for the reserves. Yes. What was that game? Do you remember? Yes, out at uh, Western Bulldogs Oval. Right. And um, I played ruck on a bloke that played a lot of first grade over the years after that. I uh, can't think of his name now. At times these days I'm flat out remembering my own name. Well. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, I had a good game and... Uh, 
they sent a 10 dollar would you believe this and i came home on the um just following that game on about the tuesday following that game yes i cocked up a story clearances once you signed up clearances weren't readily available if they didn't think you were and, and when i came down I, like i owned country at home mm-hmm. And, uh, and my brother that I live with and my wonderful sister-in-law, she looked after me after mum and dad had died. And um, anyway, I said, my brother's looking after my farm and he's broken his elbow, which was, wasn't was true. And uh, I've got to go home and run both farms, so I'm sorry about that. And I jumped on the plane and went home. And... Uh, they sent me clearance through and then one day I went into the post office and there was a thing there for me, a letter, and it was ten shillings for the best for the best ruckman or something on the in the match against Putray. Wow. So they must have given out a prize or something a training or something like that later on. I don't know what happened, but anyway I got this ten dollar postal note. Ten shillings. Ten shillings postal note, which is one dollar. So your your memory's still sharp, Don, because <laughs> in the newspaper that week they said that Don Dernan um, his brother, who was looking after their farm, has fractured his arm in two places playing from Narandera. So Don has had to return home to run the farm. Don, that's not true, is it? No, that's a big fib. What was the but real reason you went back? Well, I wanted, um, wanted to marry Shirley, actually, and I did that uh, a year later when I was 22. You gave, up your, you gave up your Richmond career for love? Yeah, I did. But, um, I made good mates down there. Ray, you know, room with Ray. I don't know whether you remember Ray. I do know the name, yep. He was a country boy from Berrigan. Mm-hmm. And um, he'd had a wonderful year the year before, won the best first-year player. And he got kicked in the ankle in a trial game by Roy Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh they looked at his ankle in those days. The medical staff weren't quite up to what they are today <laughs> and said, oh, he'll be right. He's just got a bruised ankle. He'll come good. And Roy, um, Ray spent most of the weeks hobbling around in a pub, I think. Anyway, at the end of a week, they decided to x-ray and it was broken. Oh. And he never played first grade again, which was disappointing for him. And uh, he later lived just at the next town from <laughs> Narandra Leet, only about 20 minutes' drive away. Right. And he worked there as an electrician, I think it was, for years and years afterwards. I used to see him all the football years because I, um, I had to go to a lot of different um, matches than Narandra's because I was a state selector, and so I used to have to cover all the matches to pick the best players, you know, to see who was worth a try mm. in the trial games. Mm-hmm. And uh, we only had... Jeansy was our last coach when I was um, selector. And Alan Joyce, who also coached Hawthorne to a couple of flags, he was the first coach. He did two years and <laughs> he was a playing coach in Sydney. And he was coach of the footy state team. Very hard man to talk to. He didn't 
discussed much. You know, he was quite sort of a bloke, and uh, at heart, I thought when he was coaching, I sort of formed a. I lived in Melbourne for a couple of years after it, and I'd become very friendly with Alan Jones. He and married holidayed up here with Cheryl and I, mm-hmm. and uh, so I. The two years I was in Melbourne, he used to pick me up to go to training. We had a shop in Russell Street and and, um, and pick me up for matches. And so, of course, after match, I'd go with him where he went and he went where the officials go, you know, for a drink and all the so-called superstars of the... <laughs> I can remember uh, being shoulder to shoulder with Frank Sedgman, who I idolised as a tennis player when he was at it, and I never met him, but I'd love to have said hello to him, but I didn't because he'd be sick of blacks doing that, I think. Why didn't you tell Richmond the, the, the real reason that you wanted to leave? Because I didn't think they'd clear me. Yeah. I felt they'd hang on to me because Jack told me the week before, he said, you just keep playing like you are, Donnie, and you're straight into the first grade team. Yeah. And uh, I'd played four games, four trials, I think it was. We yeah. played five. I reckon that fifth trial, I ran about five kilometres further than I had in the previous ones and couldn't get near the football. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was in the seconds, and that's fair enough. It didn't worry me. And uh, Albie Penham was the coach was he right yes from Collingwood and then he succeeded Jack as Richmond coach I think Jack didn't like that I used to meet him over the years because I'd always go and drink in Rowie's pub out at I forget the name of it now but it was just over the road from Mrs Colletley's where I was boarded by Richmond right and uh, just up what's the name Stokesy Ray and I used to catch trams Mm -hmm. from the same corner to go to work every morning Right. He was a gun centre man, a very good and a lovely person. Oh, he was. He was a, and a tremendous sportsman. Yes, yes. So um, I've got here that your your playing height was 6 foot 2 and 14 stone. Is that about right? Yeah, I was about 6 foot. No, I was 187 in the... In today's, which right. is slightly under six foot two, but that close to it, it's about six foot one and three quarters. And I played at about thirteen six, something like that. The, Ar- the Argus newspaper yeah. called you bulky but graceful. Yes, that was the photo. Cheryl was wrapping her shoes in. <laughs> <laughs> they said that he was a stylist with perfect balance. <laughs> Uh, Gee, yeah, someone, well, someone liked writing newspaper stories about you, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. When you, you know, they weren't. It was different, you know. Like at Richmond, they had two rooms there for the blokes that were on the list in one side, and the blokes that were second graders and not on the first grade list used to come from the other side. And they had two races there, like one. The, opposition would have run down on match day and I, fa- and I found when you run when I first got there I, when I come out I was in with uh, Bill Morrison them in the f- first shed and uh, you know the kids would be out there grabbing your autograph before you got trading and anyway I soon learned that if I crossed over to the second race and went down I thought I'd get away from that but they had a kid up the top <laughs> and he used to stand up the top of the race and say, he's a first grader. 
<laughs> and the kids down the bottom would swing over and grab you when you came through for a, for an autograph. I wasn't used to signing autographs at Narendra when we try and put it that way. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to get an autograph from you, Don. After all these years, <laughs> you, you have to send me one. The um. In in uh, in 1952, if I'm not mistaken, I reckon a Victorian team came up and played the Riverina. Is that true? Yes. Did you yes. play for Riverina that day? Oh yes, I played full forward against. On, uh, yep. Bruce Morrison. Against From this New is York. against Victoria. Yes. Lou Richards and Eddie and no, oh, there's a heap of yeah. There was Jack like, Jones and Bill Stevens and Ray Poulter and Jack O'Rourke kicked 12 goals that day. Yes, well, Bill um, Stevens, if <laughs> I'd have had a gun, I'd have shot him. He got the ball every time it come outside his centre. <laughs> I think it was the first time he'd been dropped from the Victorian firsts. Right. See, the Victorian firsts had gone and played South Australia and Western Australia, right. and they picked the seconds. And they came up, and it was Lou Richards, Ern Hentry. I think Ern was captain mm. from from Carlton. Okay. And they should have picked the team from the second grade comp. Would have been a better match, you know, because I think they were about eight goals up before the ball came outside of centre. And um, she was pretty much one way traffic, put it that way. And also, Bruce Morrison was an extremely hard bloke to play on. He could wind himself around you like a worm, and uh, you couldn't move, and he didn't care as long as you didn't get the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was very good. I was disappointed, actually, when he wasn't named fullback in their team of the century. I thought, I hope they put Bruce Morrison fullback because I believe he's worthy of the job. But anyway, he never got it. It was just a... You know, like he had such good men around him too. You know, Teddy Jarrard was there yeah. from North Melbourne. He was a oh, pretty cruel bloke, actually, but he was a superstar footballer. Uh, mm. Although you played for Richmond just for one game, Don, did did you or do you barrack for Richmond? Do you barrack for any actual team? Uh, barrack for Geelong at the moment. Uh, only Tom I think because I barrack for Geelong. barrack for Geelong. <laughs> I can hear saying it. <laughs> yeah, I took her down to a match when we first started going together. Yeah. And Collingwood played Geelong, and she took an instant like to uh, Ge- Geelong and uh, and a dislike to Collingwood oh. straight away. Well, oh, that was smart. <laughs> and uh, she's barracked for them ever since. Now I barracked for Richmond, but I will tell you what sort of eased me off and I realised afterwards I was wrong but um, they were the first club that started, I'll call it, pension players from other club. They got a ruck rover from Essendon and uh, sent a half back from Western Bulldogs or Footscray as they were and they won a flag too and I was I was that dirty being a loyal country footballer thinking, why do you go pension players off other clubs? And then I realised that who was that bloke that was given all the crap? Uh, Graham Richmond. Mm-hmm. I met him on a plane. I went over to the football carnival in uh, Adelaide, in Tas- Hobart, Tasmania, and I happened to be sitting beside him and he introduced himself, so I told him who I was and... He said, who do you barrack for? And I said, Richmond, because at that stage I did. Anyway, uh, they'd grabbed these two blokes and I thought, that's 
I think they love Richmond men, they're bloody foot grown. And Essendon, who, who was Graham Richmond, he was the class, I, ne- I only met him on the plane, like, but he was classed as a pretty good football brain or yeah. winner. He, uh, he, he was pretty, uh, swung the heavy hammer, I think. Anyway, he um, reckoned that uh, S- uh, Richmond wanted those blokes and they were available and he was the first bloke who, along with the Richmond club, was the f- first club that realised that the best recruits were the rejects that were just satisfied with the club they were playing at and got in early and I reckon they got a flag out of it back in those days. But I might have been wrong there, but that was my opinion. I saw them both play, they were both good players for Richmond. Centre half back and on the ball. Yeah. One on Essendon bloke on the ball. Uh, Footscray bloke was a big left footed centre half back. And that was probably, saw, uh, probably Robbie McGee. It was. I saw Doug Wade try and wipe him out and I thought he's going to kill him. Like he was coming at 100 mile an hour and McGee started a bit of a brawl where he was. Yeah. And Doug was coming at him at 100 mile an hour and McGee. I thought he didn't know he was coming. I was just in the crowd watching there and. And uh, I reckon he went to the ground about 10 centimetres in front of Doug and Doug was all arms and legs turned about three somersaults before he hit the ground. (laughs) And McGee jumped up and was still in the brawl. (laughs) I thought he knows how to look after himself this way. What a memory. Yeah. I was just amazed when you said earlier too that um, you you came down by plane and went back by plane. Did Richmond pay for that? Yes. Good Lord, did we really? Yes. Oh, where, did, where did the plane take off from in, down in R- Melbourne? Narand, we had a Narendra Airport, which yeah. is still a good airport. And so it landed in where? <laughs> like it was a normal passenger plane. It was about, it was, would have been about an 8 to 10 or 12 seater. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because when I got on it, see, I was a bit embarrassed really, to be truthful, about getting these offers and I never told my mates in town I'd gone to my office to go to Melbourne and anyway um, I, said, I hadn't even told Jack you know I told you that earlier my elder brother he wondered what I was getting into my football gear for to run across a fella paddock and oh that's right and anyway I got on the plane and lo and behold who climbed in and sat beside me was the Narendra fullback uh, Mackie Morrison and uh, I said, he said, where are you going to Melbourne? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going for? You, I was a cocky like. And, and I said, oh, Richmond have asked me to come down for a run, but I didn't want to publicise it, you know. And uh, I said, so don't tell anyone, will you, Maggie? And he said, no, you're right. And I don't want anyone to know I'm going down either, Don, because I've had a, uh, an offer to come down and do an interview for a lot better job than I've got. And... If I don't get it, and the boss finds out I've been down yeah, yeah. at the Narendra Flower Mill, I'll get sacked. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, right, oh, I won't. So neither of us told anyone. <laughs> he didn't want his boss to know, and I didn't care for everyone to know either. Do we know, did he ever get the job? No, he didn't. No, he, no he didn't. He played fullback for us for years. Yeah, Don, lovely person. Don, do you, is there any sense of regret not staying down for Richmond or not? Not one, no, not one, no. I've got the best woman in the world and four to 12 grandkids. We lost one when he was seven years old in a 
farm accident oh. and um, two grand two great grandkids and all good you know a good family so I'm very lucky isn't that isn't that lovely Don that's yeah. really lovely of you of, of, yeah. of that to hear um, can I say on behalf of all the Richmond supporters Don thank you for trying out with Richmond thank you for playing that one game with the reserves um, yes. uh, we're very appreciative of it even though you didn't play senior football you're still a tiger, Don. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. <laughs> Rat, I mean. Yes, it's, uh, uh, it was a good experience and I enjoyed it. And Ray Poulter and Ray Edney looked after me. Ray had a vehicle and not a lot of the blokes. Like most of the blokes used to walk in on foot, you know, for training, jump off a tram at uh, Punt Road or somewhere and walk in and uh, Desiree happened to have one and several others but there were a lot of blokes just walked in off public transport and mm. and uh, should be different these days they'd all be rolling up in there whatever fancy cars <laughs> yes yes it's a lot different world isn't it the footballers had a big win with all the TV money and clubs becoming wealthy and they've got a big problem in front of them now they don't know how long this can uh, virus business is going to last and hmm. it's going to test clubs that spend millions and millions and millions of bus, bulbs, you know, dollars running the clubs, isn't it? It's a testing time to... and they don't know what's going to happen. No, they don't know. It's a, I've never seen it in my lifetime anything like this go through worldwide yeah. where every, you know, people dying by the hundreds and worldwide every day probably thousands every day the only thing i can sort of not um, compare it to but you know in world war ii you know football was sometimes affected obviously um yes did did the, did the war affect you don no well we were i was 14 i think when the war finished okay I was on the tractor following and me, well, the workmen we had who I went to school with at Assumption College down in Kilmore there, yeah. um, he came racing down on a horse and I thought, gee, Tolbo's in a hurry. And he galloped around me in circles for about <laughs> three circles around the tractor and disc and I pulled up and I said, what's going on? He said, switch her off, the war's over. <laughs> so we went over to a neighbouring district and played a tennis tournament and then went to a dance in their little hall that night, just a little bush. Actually, I bought the farm later that went around it and a uh, little hall and church and that was all, and a cricket field. They had a cricket field and um, they didn't um, have any, they had it all mapped out to be a town, but it never eventuated. And... Uh, they had a cemetery up the road, which was in my farm, with the farm I bought. Oh. Few, few graves in it, only a few. And they built it about three miles away from where the centre of town was going to be. But there was, it never eventuated. And so, yeah. So you, sell, you, you turned off the tractor and went and had a celebratory drink? No, well, I was only 14. Oh, I no. wasn't drinking. <laughs> I didn't start drinking until I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> a celebratory dance then, how about that? Yes, it was good. It was the, the country people were that happy and, you know, they were dancing around and, yeah, we had, a, mm, we had a great tennis player in Barrellas. We were between Naranda and Barrellan and um, 
Borellan had Yvonne Goligong, a famous tennis player, later on. Mm. But when she was a young girl, I was captain of the Borellan intertown. We had an intertown comp, and she was the ladies' champion. I was the men's champion, so our particular party partners weren't there a couple of nights, and so I played with Yvonne. Mm. I thought... She was only 13, like, and, but her coach in Sydney was already predicting that she would win Wimbledon. So she had a lot of... We went out to Barmed in a little place, you know, one pub town, and um, there were about... 450 people, they said. <laughs> that was only 400 in Bar Edmund. They estimated the crowd was 450 people that turned up to see a play. So they were keen on their sport. Yeah. What, 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 it's, an, it's an incredible um, incredible life you've had, Don. Oh, it's been a good life. I wouldn't change it for anything. Especially the wife I've got and the kids and... That's the main thing. Isn't that great? Isn't it? Mm. Isn't that lovely? Thank you, Don. I'm going to thank you so much for our chat. Uh, I'm 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 so delighted that you uh, you recovered from the shock of opening the letter at the letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> you probably you might have let out an expletive. I'm not too sure. I said I haven't seen the sons. Of course, they're not visiting with this kind of virus. They're, um, yeah. you know, best off just talking on the telephone and see if we need anything and so forth. And um, so I haven't told them about the letter. I was going to, if one of them come up, I was going to say, I got another letter from Richmond. They want me to go back and make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs>